Ultra. Back to the Coronetto Minute, the daily podcast where we crawl our way to the bitter end or the lager end of the world's end, one minute at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Scott Corelli. Today we're preparing to annihilate minute eighteen. Minute eighteen, which begins with the revelation that Gary borrowed two hundred dollars from Oliver Stephen dollars, Oliver Stephen and Peter, and ends with a police officer telling Gary that his left brake light is faulty. Hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, Gary borrowed $200 from all three of them to pay Andy. Andy's very upset. He says, he says the phrase, that's just robbing Peter to pay Paul, uh, to which, uh, uh, Gary makes a joke about still owing Paul. Um, I'll really be honest. lame. It's, it's the lamest joke. I, Gary has a lot of lame jokes in this. That's the lamest one. Yeah. I think I'll be honest. I had never heard that expression before this movie. Really? Well, yeah. I looked up the expression. Great. So I know I know where it comes from. I had always thought. See, so so my my uh, my grandmother would say it all the time. Okay. And so I thought it was like a church or a, like a Bible thing. Me too. Um, and uh, I looked it up, and it's not. It's a Catholic thing. <laughs> Great. So, uh, so the it's- expression re- refers to uh, times before the Reformation when church taxes had to pay be paid from St. Paul's church in London to St. Peter's church in Rome. Uh, uh, this, what this was uh, originally referring to was neglecting to pay the Peter tax uh, in order to have money to pay the Paul tax. Got it. Yeah. yeah. The Catholic church uh, loves its money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was, uh, that was, that was the concept of this. Um, it's also, uh, a very similar, it's a, it's a very similar, uh, concept to a Ponzi scheme, which, um, of course is, uh, is where you have, um, you take money from, uh, as an investment from one person to pay off a bad investment with someone else. This is usually like an investor's right. thing. Somebody, somebody like if you're, um, in control of somebody's finances, you know, and then you spend their finances to cover one of your own debts and then mm-hmm. you you borrow from another one of your clients finances to pay that back and then you just keep moving the money around that's a ponzi scheme and right. you can go to prison for that like the end like the end credits for the other guys oh is that what happens in the yeah in the end, end credits, credits for the other guys they just kind of show you how a ponzi scheme works with like graphics oh. and stuff oh i didn't know that okay yeah um, I don't remember that. I saw that movie in theaters, and I don't think I've seen it since. That movie, um, you're, you, that movie is witnessing the death and rebirth of Adam McKay's career. Oh, interesting. You're like watching him stopping being other guy, uh, stepbrothers, Talladega Nights, Adam McKay, and morph into like, hey, man, we got to wake up, people, Adam McKay. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, better that than whatever it is Peter Farrelly's become. Sure. Um, so, you know, (laughs) 
my my brain just I my brain just telegraphed the image of of Vigo Vigo Mortensen like folding that pizza in half. Oh, it's the only thing I can ever think about when I think about Green Book. It's, it's the only that's the only thing. The the what I what that scene that scene is like it's like a metaphor for how Peter Farrelly uh, 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 treated the. Uh, the the politics and uh, story that he was dealing with in Green Book. Yeah, he, when he went to make Green Book, he literally he, stops reading the Green Book. Yeah, well, that looks <laughs> pretty just, tough. Anyway, <laughs> right? Like he just his version of doing that is just folding a pizza in half and eating the whole thing. You throw the uh, bones out the window. <laughs> Bada boom. Remember when we watched that together after the Oscars? We did. We literally watched the Oscars together and we're like, what? <laughs> in one we were like wait that's the only one we haven't seen it's like i guess we should watch it and so we watched it immediately after the oscars yeah. were over and we're both dumbfounded because <laughs> i remember we were we were going to the movies a lot back then together and yeah. i remember we were both we saw the trailers and we were like that was, that was good yeah that looks solid and then you know right. we we found out about it and we were like oh okay maybe not maybe we're not gonna watch this then, right, right. And then Well, and it was it was a thing too where when we originally saw the trailer, we just thought it was like a whatever movie, like not uh an Oscar contender. Sure, like, yeah. That never I don't think that crossed either of our minds. Yeah. We were just like, "Oh, well, we like that guy. We like that I am I'm, I'm Italian. I like watching movies about Italians." Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Like this could be fun. Uh fun <laughs> enough, harmless. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to come up with but, a with, with a comparison like on the basis of sex or I don't know. Like a- yeah, but just something that like had no, no like impetus to become like Oscar based. Sure. Like it didn't feel like that's what it was doing. <laughs> um, and then, but uh, boy, were we wrong. Yeah. Um, man, was that the same year? That was the same year as Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yeah, that was the crazy year. Wow, that was the upside down year. What a nuts year. Um, Best editing. Anyway. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Wow. Uh, that's called a pity Oscar. Um, <laughs> sorry, editors, you had to deal with a with a, oh, with, right, a yeah. with a bad director that was never around. How do we? What do we do with this? <laughs> we're gonna do our best, boys, and we're gonna win the Oscar. <laughs> we're gonna make this into a into a movie. <laughs> Did I tell you that I knew a lady who uh, saw? Uh, saw that movie Bohemian Rhapsody um, over seventy times in theaters. Oh, you did tell me about her. Yeah, she just kept coming yeah. in. She just kept coming in, kept watching it over and over and over again. Did you feel a sense of kindred spirit with her? Like, oh, this is her world's end. I did at a certain, but at a certain point, that stopped. Sure, because um, you didn't because- see World's End seventy times. No, I mean it wasn't in theaters long enough for me to get <laughs> right. anywhere close I, to that you, number. You would have. You would have tried. I would have, I would have kept, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know if I would have kept going. It was such a nice number to round off. That's with your, 12. had a purpose. Yeah. 12 pubs, 12 times. It made sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I hadn't gotten close to that number before realizing it. I don't know that I would have kept going, but I'm glad that I did because I, I enjoyed it every time. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah. 70 anyway. times. 70 times over 70, 70 plus. It's like that dude. It's like when, uh, I can't remember if it was infinity war or end game, but that dude that kept sharing his, his ticket stub every time he went to go see Avengers. Yeah. And it was like over a hundred times. I think it was infinity war, 
got it. Yeah, the, I think. The inferior. It's, I, I don't know. I have no sense of time anymore. Don't have me. I don't know where I am. Yeah. <laughs> the Oscars The Oscars next year are going to be crazy. Oh, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait to see Betty Gilpin <laughs> get nominated for The Hunt. <laughs> I mean, people have deserved an Oscar less. Yeah. <laughs> she she carries that movie. She carries that movie and her performance is so weird. Every choice she makes is so bizarre. Yeah. That it's kind of like, you know, I kept rewinding the- moments just to be like, why did she do that? I love it, but yeah, why it's so weird. Oh man, it's not a good movie. Uh I I it's- I really don't like it feels a little too um south parky to me where it's like everybody sucks yeah you suck too i don't i don't like that about it um i guess i don't so like I, I don't i don't think the movie's very good i don't get the uh, logic of why the hunt is happening at all yeah i don't know uh i mean i could w- maybe we should talk about that on not writing sometime sure but, yeah for um, sure i mean I, I fucking i love watchmen i love yeah. I, I like David Lindelof as a screenwriter, even like Prometheus. Yeah, and but I think but... I think I feel like Watchmen is very, 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 very well thought out, whereas The Hunt was more of like a Kevin Williamson style, like write it over a weekend and sell it. Definitely, kind of script. yeah. Like Nick, yeah. Nick Hughes and Damon Lindelof were like, "Oh, that's great. Let's just let's just not even think about it. Let's just let's, let's just write let's it. Just write it." Yeah, and then they did, and they sold it, and nothing changed <laughs> in the script. <laughs> Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's whatever they're like, it it really is a, there are bad people on both sides kind of, it's like the reverse of the revenge of the Sith logic, right? There are heroes on both sides. (laughs) There are villains on both sides. That's the argument that it's making. Yes. There are villains on both sides. And it's like, well, yeah, there, there are bad people. Yeah, bad people I, are out there. What bad people sure are out there. Is that the argument you're making that bad people are out there? Okay, cool. sure. But uh, yeah, you get to see Betty Gilpin, and uh, I hope I'm saying her name right. Is it Gilpin or Gilpin? I, Gil- I don't know. Gilpin. I have no idea. Anyway, she, I just say Gilpin. She's really, really good in the hunt. And yeah, she is. I would. She creates a fully fledged character. Yeah, where you're like, I have never seen a character like this in a movie <laughs> that, like this. That that her the the body language her facial acting and body language as she casually swings her legs around and kicks somebody out of the out of the car oh yeah, just the the like nope <laughs> oh man Fuck amazing this. yeah that was amazing seriously it's worth watching just for her performance because yeah. her performance is nuts uh, your mama told you that story <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, where were we, what were we talking about? How did we get there? Uh, oh, the Oscars. The Oscars, right. yeah. Uh, anyway, Green Book. Uh, I don't know how we got on Green Book. Crazy. I don't remember. So, uh, Oh, no, because we're talking about Robin Peter to pay Paul. Oh, right. That's right. So <laughs> That's right. Ponzi scheme and then the, the, nice guys. the other guys and et cetera, et cetera. The, Peter Farrelly. Yep. All right. Bob, I got, we got, there. We got it. Uh, Newton Haven looks fucking gorgeous. It does. It really does. I also, I really love the line, the the foreshadowing line of like, remember this town and then it's original colors, boys, because tonight we paint it red. And the <laughs> next time we see that wide shot, it's it's scorched red. Yeah. Pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, uh, so I wanted to look up and see how long of a drive this was. Oh, please. So, um. I I looked it up and I, I I basically looked up so I wanted to see where this was shot because they um you know this is of course 
uh, I'm putting I'm putting this together from the fact that um, Newton Haven is UK's first roundabout, yes. right? And I was like, well, I wonder if that's a real thing. So I looked up uh, UK's first roundabout, mm-hmm. and it is actually the sign that we see later in the week is in uh, Letchworth Garden City, okay, um, which is UK's first roundabout. And I then I looked up where the world's end was shot and it was shot in Letchworth garden city. Oh. So, um, some of it, some of it was shot in, uh, uh, Hertfordshire. Um, some of it was shot in a studio, uh, L street studios. And some of it was shot in Wellwyn garden city. Cause I assume just like no small village has 12 pubs to do a <laughs> pub crawl in. Um, but regardless, so those were the, those are the areas that they filmed. Uh, but, as we talked about last week, the, the, the railway station was high Wycombe railway station. So yes. what I did was I, I looked up how far of a drive it was from high Wycombe station to, uh, uh, Letchworth garden city. Right. Um, it is a hour drive, which feels like enough of a drive that you're like, you know, like, Okay. Yeah, like that that feels like it's it's enough that it's not like a ridiculous amount. It's just like it's like a little commute, you know? Yeah, it's enough to feel like a trip. Yeah, it's enough to feel like a little a little day trip, but nothing nothing crazy. And um High Wycombe station is about uh it looks like just about like I don't know, if you drove, it looks like about like a 45 minute drive from London to High Wycombe. So it's probably a 30 minute train commute since there's no traffic, Got you it. know. Um, and then you, and then from High Wycombe Railway Station to Letchworth Garden City, that's an hour drive. And if you're speeding like Gary, right, fifty-one miles. Oh wow! Yeah. Can you imagine? I don't know. I, I guess being in LA, that sounds inhuman to me. But fifty-one miles. Yeah, yeah I, it does seem like a lot. But you know, remembering what it's like in the Midwest. Yeah, I, I'm like, oh yeah, fifty-one miles is nothing. Yeah, it's like, oh, I, uh, I live real close, like twenty miles away. Yeah, once you get once you get out of the city of Los Angeles or New York or like some cities in Jersey and you know Chicago, any any major city, once you get out of that, uh, suddenly miles don't mean the same thing. Yes. Um, so yeah, actually, so it's about an hour drive. Yeah, that's uh, that's not yeah, that's not uh, super long. I wonder how long they were having that argument. Mm. Well, not even an argument, really, just like a scolding. Yeah. Uh, uh, probably not very long because it seems like already there. Gary was like really trying to change the subject. Like he turned into a whole into a joke, you yes. know, uh, hiding it with humor, right? Bad humor. So, uh, uh still old Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so the song they're listening to, it's another cover. Really? Uh, he's going to step on you again. AKA step on is a song originally performed by John Congos in okay. 1971. Uh, okay. And then the version that they're listening to was uh, by the band Happy Mondays. Mm. Covered the song, retitling it Step On, released in 1990, Natch, with two different music videos. It was originally intended as a contribution to the Rubilat Electra's 40th anniversary compilation. Uh, this is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records as the first song to be sampled. Wow, really? Yeah. The original or this version? The original. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say. And uh, and yeah, as always, uh, Happy Mondays was a uh, a mainstay in the UK uh, funk house and psychedelia scene. 
and uh, was a part of the emerging rave scene. Mm. So it makes sense that it's in an Edgar Wright soundtrack. Indeed. He loves yeah, it's a good song. It's a good track. You know what I was thinking, kind of going back to the scene where they were all sharing jobs, kind of showing like, here's where I'm at. Yeah. Is I couldn't help but think about Edgar Wright's friend group. Uh-huh. And like, wow, like he's probably done this with his I wonder if he has friends that are now in their forties that he went to school with that are like lawyers and realtors and Oh, probably. And it must be, it's weird. Like, is he the Gary King of his friend group? You know? Well, no, cause he's successful. Cause he's successful. Yeah. But like, he, the, but he probably knew Gary Kings. Yeah. Yeah. He, especially, I bet, especially Simon Pegg. Sure. That makes I, sense. I would say Simon Pegg even more so than, than Edgar. But I, I also just think that like, Maybe they both know a Gary King, yeah. you know, because they were they were friends together in the in in their twenties, mm-hmm. and I I also just think like kind of everybody knows a Gary King. No, definitely, definitely. Like I don't know because like I'm in my late twenties, going into my thirties, and so I'm starting to have friends that are like I work at a car dealership, like mm-hmm. I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. I uh, I work with kids. I'm an after school. I'm I work at an after school center, you know, where you can kind of see them start to settle into their adult lives and I'm very proud of them. And some of them are getting married. Some of them, none of them are very few of them have kids, but you know, and it's, so it's, it's, it's weird looking at it in the context of like, I don't know. I I, I never thought about that before of like what the inspiration for him to write this scene of like, Oh, he probably has done this with his friends before where they're like catching up on each other's lives. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm a director. (laughs) Yeah. Directed uh, a few movies. Nothing, nothing big. Whatever. <laughs> Honey, Edgar directed that film Baby Driver. You're talking to his daughter. <laughs> wow. You remember Baby Driver? Uh, so Oliver was right. He yeah. was doing drugs <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah, he was 100% right. Uh, there's a moment that um, I, I uh, it took me a long time to understand what he was saying because because again i didn't know what the services was got it so like i i didn't understand anything i didn't comprehend anything about what gary says because he just he's like fuck 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 oh it's okay i did it all on the services and <laughs> yeah and and i was just sort of like i i, I just would like take it in and just what okay whatever i guess i it was just a thing that like went over my head mm-hmm. and then upon looking up i think we learned while we were doing the Shaun of the Dead season that they call gas station service stations. Mm-hmm. And then when we learned, no, it was in hot fuzz. It was when he went to the, to the service station after leaving, uh, leaving the village before yeah. coming back mm-hmm. triumphantly. Um, and we, we found out that they call those service stations. And I was like, Oh, that's what Gary's saying. He's saying he did it all at the services, the service station they were just at. Did what? And then I realized he was talking about drugs, and that's why he was freaking out because he had drugs on him. But no, it's okay. He did them all at the services. And I, I know I'm explaining this, and our British listeners are just like, Jesus Christ, you guys. Like, I can't believe <laughs> it took you so long to figure this out. But like, yeah, when I have no connection to the words that he's saying yeah, or the also, meaning behind them. And you also have never really been particularly – interested in like drug culture yeah that's also true doing drugs so like that wouldn't right. be that wouldn't be a frame of reference for you right of right. like 
oh no, it's okay. I did all of it in the bathroom. Yeah, but see, if he had said that, I would have been like, oh, okay. He's talking about drugs. Oh, okay. Like, I, I would have gotten it if he had said that. It was specifically the, I did it all in the services. Got it. I was like, when I think of like, <laughs> when I think of the services, the service, I think of the military. And I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's also yeah. fucking horrifying that he's been driving three, four other human beings. While like high on cocaine. <laughs> high on cocaine. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it explains his driving. High on a depleted amount of – he didn't do a bump and then put it back. He did all of what – however much cocaine he had, he did all of it. He did all of it at the services and then played Need for Speed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, oh, Need for Speed. Uh, I mean, it's also possible – I don't know. I've I've always – the thing I've always heard about cocaine is that like it, it gets you really high really fast and then it's over. Yeah, I've never. Uh, I, I'll yeah, I'll say this on the podcast. I've never done cocaine. <laughs> That's fair. And you know what? I don't think I'm going to. I, I don't. <laughs> no. I don't think I have any business doing cocaine for the first time in my 30s. That seems like a bad decision. That seems like a terrible decision. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's something that I will never ever partake in. Uh, but I that's what I've always heard is yes. that that's how it works, and that's why. Uh, people do so much of it is because it doesn't last very long. Yeah. Um. And so maybe you know he was high while he was playing Need for Speed, but by the time he was driving again, maybe it was it had mostly faded. Got it. And the brain is focusing on driving and not. Oh no, I'm coming down. Because mm-hmm. right. sometimes you know if you're coming down off a high, it helps to be busy with something, so you don't really notice that you're doing it. Sure. That you're not staring at a wall, just thinking about how your brain is feeling different. Right. Right. Uh, so who's who's this police officer? I think we don't, we we kind of talked about him a little bit a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So the highway officer is played by Steve Oram. Yep. Or Oram. Right. Born in uh, Leicestershire, England, in 1973. He is most well known for the Ben Wheatley film Sightseers, mm-hmm. which we talked about a little bit. You have seen. I have not seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also is the dad in the End of the Fucking World. Oh, right. That is him. Yeah. Uh, I really like that one. Haven't seen the second season. Probably not. Neither coming have I. I'm Didn't good. feel like it needed one. I'm good. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Uh, although sometimes those actors will show up and stuff and I'm like, oh, yeah, into the fucking world. Yeah, there he is. He's in Good Omens as Horace, which I've also heard is good. I love the book. Haven't seen the show yet. Don't. Wow. Don't at me. Uh, I'm watching. I'm, I'm watching. Uh, I'm watching Miss Maisel. I'll get to yeah, it. That's good. Hey, I'm not. As long as you're watching that, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, you're like, oh, at least, at least he finally got started on Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> this show that I know he would, like, obsessively love. He would just watch it. <laughs> he would just fucking watch it. And then uh, before Sightseers, or after Sightseers, his most notable role was uh, journalist in Welcome to the Punch. To me, uh, he's, been, he's been in something called Titty Bang Bang. Uh, which seems like a sketch show because he's played various characters. He was in the mighty mm-hmm. Boosh as Donnie mm. guy's got a lot of UK credits. Seems uh, like he's been working. I, I've tried so hard to watch the mighty Boosh. Oh man. Because I really love, uh, what's Rich, his name? Richard Awadi. No, the other, no, uh, uh no, Noel fielding. Yeah. Noel, Noel fielding. Noel fielding. Um, I, I really love Noel fielding. And I love Paul King, yes. who directed The Mighty Boosh, uh, and of course directed the Paddington films. Two of the greatest films of all time. 
Yes, cinematic masterpieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it just, it's not, I just can't do it. I've watched almost the whole first season. And at a certain point, there was a scene where one of them was in blackface. Mm-hmm. Um, pr- pretending to be an aborigin, an aboriginal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I was like, I can't, uh, yeah, no, I can't do it. I can't do this anymore. I liked what I watched in high school, but I don't think I watched all of it. And what I watched hasn't really stuck with me. Yeah. The way that like, I can like Garth Marenghi's dark place. I still think I would really enjoy if I watched it today. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, I have all of those. I found all those episodes on YouTube. I need to watch them at some point. Yeah, I like Old Greg. I forgot where Old Greg came from or what show that was for. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I got nothing against the Mighty Boosh. I certainly love it. Old, old Greg was uh, is that is that the IT crowd? No, or, I think no. It, I think it was a sketch. Oh, it was a sketch. Okay, because the IT crowd is very much like your standard issue laugh track sitcom. Oh, who are you talking about when you said old Greg? What was that? One or was that just in general, one, like just a general British thing? I think Noel Fielding is old Greg. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't yeah? No, Noel Fielding was like this goth guy that like lived in the lived in a closet in the IT crowd. I thought that was old Greg. Oh no, old Greg is this like demon I think that lives under a lake. Oh, I'm old okay. Greg. Never I forget seen. what his. I forget what Noel Fielding's character name in the it crowd is then he like lives in a closet he's like kind of goth he wears a cape well that was his i mean that was his vibe before great british bake-off was he was the you know him and he and uh he and Rit, uh, uh russell brand were the goth detectives oh on uh yeah on the quiz I, show. but this was like i don't know this was more so i'm surprised he hasn't shown up on um what we do in the shadows yet oh wow that's a good point yeah i don't think he oh no no he's still on great british bake-off the other lady left yeah, which is probably for the best. Yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of hoping that uh, they replace her with Richard Iowati because he's a really good host. Mm-hmm. And him and Noel Fielding, they, he does this show called Travel Man. I've seen some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's on uh, it's on Hulu. And the episode with Noel Fielding is really good. They have good chemistry. I would be I would be into them hosting that together. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she has I, I didn't I wasn't a big Sandy fan. You've you've um, seen much more of Great British Bake Off than I have, so I trust your judgment. I, I've seen everything available in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of it. Who's anyway. your uh, who's your who's your who's your top who's your top who's your favorite host? Uh oh, it's it's Noel. It's definitely Noel. Noel? Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, because I really he, like Noel. He's a recent addition. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't big on uh, the original two hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were. Um, I don't know. There's a. It was like it, I don't know. They had a weird vibe about them. I'm not sure. I don't. Got it. I don't. I don't like the. Um, I don't like all the sex jokes. Oh, a lot of a lot of immature sex jokes, and that are great, just like eye rollingly bad. It's, and it's I the don't great like British those. Bake-off. That's not. Uh, that's not why you watch the Great British Bake Off. I don't know. You know, I'm not into it. I don't like that. Seems like such a wholesome show. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, they did a lot of double entendres. Yeah. Going flying, flying around, and none of them could like pull pull them off properly. So mm-hmm. they just felt like, like I don't know, Let's like, get a, this like your dad making a double entendre show. joke, and you're like, "Stop it! What are you doing? Ew! <laughs> yeah, ew! Stop!" 
Stop talking about that. Uh, Apple turnover. I turned her over last night. I mean, that's kind of the level that we're talking about. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, well, that there we did it again. There, there it is. What's uh? We got, we got anything else for this minute? Uh, I like that he uh when when the when the cop asks him like, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And he's like, was the music too loud? <laughs> it's like you're driving. <laughs> what are you? You can't. No one's gonna pull you over because you're playing your music too loud you in your car with the windows rolled up. Were you listening to Happy Monday, sir? It's not like you have a, you know, it's not like he has like a, like a, like a boombox, yeah, like bass speakers or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wouldn't be a public disturbance. Not all the way up there. I don't know. I think that's it though. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, guys, we got a lot of stuff on the dueling genre channel, wherever you get your podcast, be it Spotify, be it Stitcher, be it Apple podcasts. Uh, the doctor's companion. Harry Potter Minute, it's coming back. Or so uh, I hear. Or so I hear. Immunities, mm-hmm. our audio series that has been ongoing. It's a big, uh, big, uh, big hit for us. We're grateful for it. We're grateful to host yeah. it. We're happy to host it. We, we have nothing to do with the making of it. We have however. absolutely nothing to do with the making of it. So it makes sense that it's uh, it's one of our most successful shows. <laughs> uh, so check it out wherever you get your podcast. we got a lot going on over there. Geek by Night is coming back. We're hard at work with that. Back to the Future Minute. Scott just told me people are still listening to it, which scares me because I don't know what I said five years ago. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what kind of person I was. It was it's all <laughs> it's all a blur. So uh, enjoy that. Hopefully, don't if you if I say something cringy, just don't tell me about it. Don't let me know. Let it die. Doinggenre.com, uh, and we'll be back tomorrow to annihilate minute nineteen. But for now, let's move. Cause I'm free.